Um, before I start this, uh, many of you have probably seen this clip from some of our other, um, our other videos, but I want to play it to you because it'll play in context what exactly uh, is being said out there. What, what is Hollywood um, putting out there that, that they know this thing is having a profound effect upon society and they're almost uh, gloating and laughing in, in people's face. So this, it was really after seeing this video, which was played during a Super Bowl, that spun this whole um, project here that took us three years to actually travel around uh, the United States and capture. But here's the, here's the commercial that was played. Enjoy. So what was amazing to me is this commercial was played during the Super Bowl. And when I saw it, I, I just, I, I was blown away at one of the most watched moments. This wasn't put on in the middle of the night when no one would see it. It was put on when everybody is watching television saying, listen, this is an evil plot to destroy the world. Here we're giving you television, movies, whenever you want them, however you want them, as much as you want them, for free. So this was the question that we really wanted to answer. Is there really some physical damage that's happening inside of our brains from watching television? And um, in order to do that, I, I, I want to just uh, uh, kind of set the stage here. Um, one of the greatest evidences and powers of Christianity that can be presented to the world is a well-ordered, well-disciplined family. This will recommend the truth as nothing else can, for it is a living witness of the practical power upon the heart. Do you know that Ellen White here is stating, saying, listen, if you want to be the greatest representation of the gospel, it is in a well-ordered family. Now, question, what do we call family time in America? Television time. Television time. So it's interesting to me that there's a correlation here with, with a well-ordered family will represent truth like nothing else, and what do we spend our time as families doing together? Watching this thing called television. I want to go over the roles in the family, because I just want to start to build up in your mind how television and movies are starting to tinker with this model that God has set up. So if the family represents truth, let's talk about the father as a priest, right? The lawmaker and the priest of all the members in the family centers around the father. He is the lawmaker, illustrating in his own manly bearing the sterner vir virtues, energy, integrity, honest, patience, courage, diligence, practical usefulness. The father is in one sense the priest of the household laying upon the altar of God the morning and evening sacrifices. So the, the father's role is to be this priest. The queen of the home, which is the mother, the king upon his throne has no higher work than his mother. Now this is a very interesting statement. Right here, the mother is the queen of her household. She has in her power the molding of her chi children's characters, that they may be fitted for a higher immortal life. An angel could not ask for a higher mission, for in doing this work, she is doing the service of God. Let her realize the high character of her task, and it will inspire her with courage. Let her realize the worth of her work and put on the whole armor of God, as she may resist the temptation to conform to the world's standard. Here, her work is for a time and an eternity. You know, you know what's interesting as I've studied out the, this role of the male and the female coming together and having a child, a baby? What is amazing to me is the imprint uh, is from the father. 
the imprint, the characteristics, those things that are passed down from generation to generation to generation are imprinted from the father figure. You know what's molded? From the mother figure. That's why Jesus spent so much time with her mother, his mother learning about the gospel. Now, of course, we know that the children's job is to obey the parents in the Lord, for this is right, honor your mother and your father, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you live long in the land. Uh, I found this interesting in Adventist home. If the marriage vows have been promised to be as one, the wife covenanting her love and to obey her husband, and the husband promising to love and cherish his wife, the law, and, and if the law of God is obeyed, the demon of strife will be kept out of the family. You know, to expand upon this, it says that if, if a family has a well-ordered uh, uh, family that is adhering to the commandments and, and, and laws of God, that it is impenetrable by the devil impenetrable he cannot come into your home he's not allowed to come into your home but you know what i find is really interesting in the day and age that we live in what does everyone have in their home a window into the world a window by which the devil has access to come in and educate us taint and twist our views and characters how does Hollywood produce the, produce the image of the father? If you notice some of the most common, iconic father figures coming out of either cartoons, popular TV shows, movies, do you see how they're always portraying the father to kind of be this just moron? And how he's just kind of this funny, goofy guy? Here's what she says in Adventist Home. Maturity of experience is called for. A father must not be as a child, moved merely by impulse. He is bound to his family by sacred and, and holy ties. So the father figure really should be a role that is not a jokester like this, like a moron. They're taking this idea of what God has set up to be and twisting the model. In fact, we have uh, today a lot of shows that are reshaping what we view as the modern family. These shows, you know, if, if, if um, uh, I'm going to get to in the third presentation here, we're going to open up the topic of homosexuality in television and movies. And it is a very difficult subject to talk about, very hard, but I want to show you the trend of where they're going with all this information. Now, the new normal, this is what the uh, modern family is looking like here in the, uh, the current state. Um, how Satan gains interest to the soul. All should guard the senses, lest Satan gain victory over them, for they are the avenues to the soul. You will have to become a faithful sentinel over your eyes, ears, and all of your senses if you would control your mind and prevent vain and corrupt thoughts from sustaining your, or staining your soul. The power of grace alone can accomplish this most desirable work. Satan and his angels are busy creating a paralyzed condition of the senses so that cautions, warnings, reproofs shall not be heard, or if they're heard, they shall not take effect upon the heart and reform the life. My brethren, God calls upon you and his followers to walk in the light. You need not be alarmed. Sin is among us. 
and it is not seen to be exceedingly sinful. The senses of many are benumbed by the indulgence of appetite and the familiarity with sin. We need to advance nearer to heaven. Ladies, brothers and sisters, this is really the heart of the matter. You see, I want to ask a question, and an honest question. How many of you have seen a Batman or a Superman movie? Raise your hand. I want you to hold your hand up, and I want you to look around the room. This is a sobering question, brothers and sisters. I want you to ask yourself, why would I walk into a room and sit down and want to hear a story about a dark night? Why? All of us who produce or or come to church, we're even passing out literature. We're in our Bibles daily. We're in Bible classes. You know what's interesting to me, and I've, done, I've gone around the world and spoken this in the most conservative churches where everybody looked like they walked off of an Ellen White set. <laughs> it does not matter how conservative you think you are. Everybody is watching some of the same things. So my goal here today is not to necessarily break your confidence in the media, so to say. My goal is to increase your confidence in the media. I hope to prove to you today that the media is one of the most powerful tools to shape a mind. And let me tell you, if I believed that it was all evil and that we should have nothing to do with it, I would not be creating media productions for a living. It's what I do for a living. So I hope that you don't hear, come out of my mouth, it's all evil, throw it all away, break it all. But I'll tell you, I notice a common trend in our churches. And that is, it does not matter how much you are in your Bible, there is a disconnect with the information that we're allowing into our minds. And that's my goal here over the next three presentations to prove to you. So I want to just show you this American time use. Um, This is a chart that just kind of shows what people are doing in the day. Now, this is obviously not Seventh-day Adventists, so this is the world. So keep that in mind when you're looking at this. But look at the educational activities. Here's how much time is spent out of the day. Here's how much time is spent in sleep. Here's how much time is spent in leisure sports. And then there's a tiny little sliver right here in religious activities right here. I want you to really seriously consider. It's very easy to sit down and watch a two-hour movie. How hard is it? Do you need something? I'm in the wrong room. No, you're in the right room. I just need to turn on the light. Oh, it's not on. You're right. (laughs) Hello? Test? 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 There you go. Is that better? So should I I start over? (laughs) So here's, here's what's going on. Barely people are spending the time in the Word of God. And they're spending all this other time in all these areas. And so I want you to really consider how much real time are you spending in the Word of God as opposed to watching television or movies. I want you to keep that in your mind. Um, Here, uh, Ellen White writes this, life is in, in our high calling. Life is short. The things of the world must perish with using. Let us be wise and build for an eternity. Um, We cannot afford to idle away precious moments or engage in busy activities that will bring forth no fruit for eternity. 
Let the time hitherto devoted to idleness, frivolity, worldliness be spent in gaining a knowledge of the scriptures, in beautifying our life and blessing and ennobling the life and character for, of others. The work will meet the approval of God and win for us the heavenly benediction of well done, thou good and faithful servant. Here is a high calling for our lives. People always want to say, give me a list. What can I watch? What can I watch? Well, just, just tell me. Just, can you just design a website that tells me what I should and should not watch? I'll tell you what, you'll never hear that come out of my mouth, ever, ever. What I hope to achieve today is not a list, but a principle. When I see something that is contrary to my Bible, what do I do? Do I walk away? Because I'll tell you what, right now, if you sit through all three of these presentations, which I, I know there's awesome other things out there to, to, um, to gain, you may be able to listen to this on Audioverse. When we get to these messages and movies that are coming, do you think it's by any chance that they're making the movie Moses, Noah, Pilate, all of these that are centered around pivotal moments in the Bible? It's not just by chance that these movies are coming out in the time frame that they're coming out. So, you guys get kind of a bit of an understanding of what it is that we're supposed to do. Now, how many of you are familiar with Neil Nedley? Yes, love this guy. So, in fact, a lot of information that you've heard from our DVDs has come from Neil's writings. And uh, here we asked Neil, just, just, hey, give us a brief overview of what's going on in the frontal lobe, the frontal brain, when you sit down and you watch television. The frontal lobe of the brain is the seat of spirituality, morality, and the will. It's actually the analytical portion of our brain, and it's actually the decision maker. And so uh, it's a crucial aspect in regards to our future success and happiness is how well our frontal lobe is functioning. And uh, unfortunately, entertainment television suppresses the frontal lobe of the brain. Uh, actually, in about 90 seconds of uh, viewing it, uh, the frontal lobe uh, circulation uh, begins to go down, and uh, it um, actually has an adverse effect. And you know, the interesting thing is, people watch entertainment television often due to the fact that they feel a little depressed or anxious and it kind of calms them, but in reality, it's a very short-term fix and it's going to complicate things in the long run. Of course, I'm most known for the one who treats depression uh, and anxiety. In fact, we treat the most severe forms of depression and anxiety. And uh, what we have found is virtually every depressed patient will have about a 40% decrease in circulation and activity of the frontal lobe of the brain. And so we're trying to enhance the frontal lobe. And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of these gadgets that produce this overstimulation, uh, they can be fun for the short term. But, you know, there's more fun things to do than ever before in human history, but yet we have more depression than ever before in human history, more anxiety. Mental health problems are skyrocketing throughout the world. And the entertainment medium is one of the primary reasons why this is occurring. Uh, studies will clearly demonstrate that when you go to entertainment as a way to either um, get fun uh, and, and, and it becomes a habitual process, the risk of depression and anxiety will more than double. So what's interesting too is if you really t sit down and you talk to Neil about his clinical work, 
he says the first thing that people do when they come into uh, his clinic and he wants to treat them for depression is he takes any sort of media or TV or anything out of the room. He does not let them play with media, phones, iPads, you name it. Because like what he said, he wants to increase the blood flow to the frontal lobe. If you increase the blood to the frontal lobe, it has a 40% increase in your, how you feel. And it's interesting to me that, that so many times we go, oh, I, just, I, just, I have such a stressful life that I want to sit down and I want to I de-stress by just tuning out. But what you're doing is you're shutting down your frontal lobe. You're shutting down the blood flow. So here's just a quick model. And uh, I, I know this kind of seems a little bit bright. I'll have to try to adjust this so you can read stuff. I'll, I'll read it to you. But um, this is uh, uh, obviously a quick overview of the brain function. You have a left side, you have a right side. Your left side's in charge of your analytical, critical, logical side. Your right side's in charge of your dreamy, your emotional state. What they found is in less than 20 seconds, the, your brain flips from the left side of your brain into the right side of your brain. You watch television on your right side of your brain. That's how you can laugh, you can, you can cry, you can he you are, all your emotions are intact, but you don't think about the information that's coming into your brain. And we'll get to that when I show you some examples and some clips of some of our Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters that have all seen some particular movies. And, and when we ask, who, when, when in here do they talk about God, nobody in the room can remember. And there's a reason for that, is because you can't critically and logically think about the information as it's coming into your brain. Here's something that's interesting. Um, 3D television is obviously a very popular thing that's coming out these days. So I typed in the internet, what happens in your brain when you watch a 3D movie? That's all I typed in. And here, you'll notice this guy pop up if you um, type that into Google right here. And he's a doctor from um, Boston Children's Hospital. And here's what he says. So what does your brain do when you're sitting there in a theater looking at the giant screen wearing 3D glasses, swimming in surround sound and processing 24 images that flip by per second? Your brain dutifully processes those stimuli and does little else. In fact, your prefrontal cortex, which is involved in impulse control, future thinking, and moral choices, is basically inactivated during that process. It is part of why you get lost in a movie. So what happens when you go into a 3D movie, or, or a lot of movies for that, for that matter, is it's like taking a key and shutting off your frontal lobe. Now question, where do you speak to God? Your frontal lobe. So interesting, you've now gone into a room, shut off your ability to communicate and talk to God, and you open yourself up to whatever thoughts they want. Here's what's happening when you go to a movie. You also have these brainwave patterns, uh, delta, theta, alpha, beta, Alpha is um, when you're kind of in that dreamlike state. Um, beta is when you're awake, you're totally thinking, you're making conscious decisions. They have found also another phenomenon about television is that your brain kicks into alpha brainwave pattern within less than a couple of minutes. And you stay in alpha brainwave pattern. It's not a bad brainwave pattern. God designed these brainwave patterns to be part of our life. But here's the problem. This is the most susceptible brainwave pattern to be in. If you get under a state of hypnosis, it is the brainwave pattern that they want you in. When you do drugs, you, you, you do all kinds of things, your brain is getting kicked into alpha brainwave pattern. The difference is you're not consciously thinking about the information as if you were in beta brainwave. Does that make sense? So I want to show something to you that I thought was pretty interesting. 
I thought this was a joke. Nicki Minaj and Lil Wayne received Teachers of the Year Award. Did you know this? Did you know that, that why, why would they be honored as teachers? Why do you think that that would happen? Because they're teaching our children, right? Why are they teaching our children? Here's what it says. These two are named by Florida, this South Florida state, as the best male and best female teacher, judging them on several categories, deeming them more influential than teachers who actually commit themselves to children's education. That's 100% true. 100 percent why wouldn't we honor them with a teacher's award they're more influential than people who spend their entire time with kids that's how powerful this media is um this was a a, a little time magazine uh article that was just kind of going over a study that was done on celebrity worship um they're asking the question uh is celebrity worship good for your health or is it bad and here's what it says uh, new scientific research has found that celebrity crushes are not only common, but also healthy. The study that was published a few years ago um, says that the act of celebrity worship may boon people's self-esteem. Now, this is, this is a very real study, and this is why they say that it booms self-esteem, because people form bonds in their minds with their favorite celebrities. They are able to assimilate those celebrities' characteristics in themselves. Pause. Do I need to read that again? When you focus on a particular celebrity, you are able to take on that celebrity's characteristics as yourself. Question, if I focus on Jesus Christ, whose character am I taking on? Do you see the war? Do you see how this is playing? This is very real, 100% true, of course. The more you focus on these celebrities, the more you focus on these stories. How many times, and be honest, I've done it. How many times have you gone to a movie because a particular person is in that movie? All of us, right? Years ago. <laughs> um, here's another study that basically says that celebrity worship is um, programmed into our DNA. That's 100% true. The very idea to find an idol and follow him and worship him is programmed into our DNA. But do you know what? It's the devil's manipulation of a very, very true fact that God program us, programmed us to follow him. Does that make sense? And so all he's done is twisted and tainted what God has set up inside of our hearts, and he's given us these false idols to follow after. How many of you have uh, seen these commercials? Anybody? This is Anchorman, and they did some Dodge commercials. They put them out on the internet. I want to show you the power of a simple celebrity, okay? Look at this right here. Anchorman 2, Dodge Durango sales went up 40%. 40% because this guy was in the commercial. And I don't know if you've ever seen the commercial, but it's absolutely hilarious. I don't think I actually have it, so uh, uh, you guys can look this up on, on your own time. But he's like, let me tell you about the glove box of this car. It tells you nothing about the car. It tells you about the glove box. It holds 45 sandwiches. It holds 25 packs of gum. It holds, and that's all that he says. And they increased their sales by 40%. It's unbelievable. So we asked a couple marketers, Tell us about marketing. What's going on with marketing? This guy is one of the brainchilds of a company called Method. You've probably seen their products when you go to Target. Okay, so here he's talking about what is it to sell and market products. Part of marketing is about creating emotional responses. 
And I mean, that's the whole idea of art, right? It's why you go to a museum, it's why art, art influences, inspires us. And applying that to marketing is something we've always thought you know, very heavily about. It's about bringing design, um, bringing emotion, creativity, and passion. So what word did he just repeat about five times? Emotion, right? Emotion, emotion, emotion. How you sell. Is there anybody in sales in here? Anybody sell stuff, right? You guys know. How you sell things to people is through your emotions. Through your emotions. So this guy's going to tell you a little bit about how this selling to your emotions actually works. Yeah? Okay, some people have got two hands up. Um, so you're standing in front of it and you're going, I don't need it, can't afford it, it's not practical, and you walk out with it. Why? Because of the emotion it makes you feel to buy. My favourite business writer, and I'm sure some of you share this, is a guy called Tom Peters. Now, I, I was reading an interview he did with an executive from Harley Davidson. So he's interviewing a top executive, and he said halfway through the interview, yeah, but you just sell motorbikes. And the executive said, Tom, you have missed the point. He said, we don't sell motorbikes. And Tom Peters says, well, what do you sell? He said, we sell the ability for a 43-year-old accountant dressed in black leather, drive through a small country town, and have people be afraid of him. <laughs> he said, we sell an emotion. We sell a feeling. He said, if you use logic to buy a motorbike, you'd buy a Japanese one, because they're awesome. He said, you buy a Harley because of how it feels not how logically you think. And if you look at how Apple has been so successful with their marketing, it's how does that product feel in your hands. When you watch the commercial, it's, it's, it's all in there. You can see these things coming out of the woodworks. How do I feel when I look at that? How do people look at me when I have that? It's the same reason as, as why do they sell a, a, a car with a beautiful girl. What does the beautiful girl have anything to do with the car whatsoever? Nothing, right? But we've all heard that sex sells, right? So here's an example of how subliminal sex sells something. Probably a lot of you have seen this picture. We've been using this one for years. How many of you who have never seen this picture before see what it says in the picture? Anyone? How many don't see it? Absolutely don't see it. Look in between the birds and the bees. The word sex is written in the picture. And when I take it away, your eyes will always see it. You will never, ever look away, look back, not see that written in the word right there. Okay? But let's boil this down. Why sex? Why? Because sex is attributed to an emotion. So all of a sudden, when you see something that has the word sex on it, you have a particular emotional response that's attached to that, and you are able to think that you like these. And you thought you liked Skittles. Ha! Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Here's, here's a no-brainer. These are very common items that, I mean, if you've seen any of their commercials or their ads, you see it all the time. But notice, this is not an accident. Oh, wow. Now let me tell you this. I noticed this one. If you go to Target, you can pick this up and you can look at it. It says 33% more what? 33% more soap? Well, what does a girl have to do with anything then? <laughs> so if I use this soap, I get 33% more what? 
That's clever marketing. That's super clever marketing right there. Here's why they sell a car with a beautiful woman. Because when you see the beautiful woman, it does not matter how old you are, you equate sex with pleasure. And so you look at this Ford and you go, oh, I like it. Now, so this got us to question, what's actually happening in our brain chemistry? And so we've found a little uh, a hormone that is released called oxytocin that's associated when a woman has birth and oxytocin is released in her brain that bonds her to her child, okay? So this is the little drug called oxytocin, a hormone. So we asked around all over the place, who here uh, could tell us about oxytocin? And we found a, a neuroeconomist in Loma Linda University named um, Dr. Paul Zak. And this guy uh, it spent the last part of the 10 years finding out what does oxytocin do. And what, the reason why we were interested in interviewing him is because he's been commissioned by advertising companies in Los Angeles to uh, use his studies to be able to release oxytocin when you watch their commercials. So how can you be bonded to their products by releasing oxytocin? Discovered that this hormone of oxytocin facilitates trust between strangers. Because when someone trusts you, the brain releases this, and it motivates you to reciprocate, to be trustworthy. This led us into a variety of studies where we both measured and manipulated oxytocin in the human brain to figure out why we had so much trust between strangers. So since we've done that, we started looking at trust in other things, like in people you don't know, politicians, the government, um, advertisers. So for advertising, we asked this question, which is, why are there puppies in toilet paper commercials? Puppies don't use toilet paper, if they do use toilet paper, and if they're really out of toilet paper, they might use the puppy. So what's going on with that? So we all know intuitively that advertisers want to grab our emotions. They want to engage us in this product. They want us to trust them, to trust this product. So we started thinking that maybe this has something to do with oxytocin. So we described an experiment we ran to test that. So we had an experiment where we had people review public service advertisements, like don't drive drunk, here's what can happen to you. We put half the people in the experiment on oxytocin and half on placebo. So we can infuse oxytocin into your brain through your nose, and oxytocin will get into your brain. We found that when oxytocin was raised, that is when you're in this trusting state, this empathic state, people did say they cared about the people in the commercials more. And more tellingly to me, when we gave them the option to donate money to these different causes, people on oxytocin donated more of their own money that they earned for this experiment to these particular causes. So I'm just going to fast forward to this because there's some information that I really want to get to. So here's what's happening. There is a, a, a chemical bond that's happening when we see things that we like. Now this explains something to me. When you see a movie that is produced today in 2014, and you even go back to the early 2000s, doesn't it look dumb? Don't you go, man, how was that cool? This is like, I'm so, because you're so used to this drug being released inside of your brain that you need bigger explosions, bigger sex scenes, bigger whatever to produce a stronger chemical reaction to it that when you don't, when you see something that doesn't have that, it's not as enticing to you. Does that make sense? So, so one thing that was really interesting to me is as he started talking about some of these commercials, the topic of hypnosis came up. 
And um, this is actually a very real commercial. How many of you have heard of Virgin Telephones? Okay, so this is Virgin Telephones, like Virgin Atlantic, the, the, the company. Um, so this is actually a real commercial. I want you to watch this commercial, and uh, maybe some of you have seen it. Now, very weird, right? You look at that and you go, it makes no absolute sense whatsoever. What does a guy swimming with a shark with a little tiny brain jumping across the table have anything to do logically in a row? Anything. Let me tell you one thing about the brain that the brain does not like to be done. The brain does not like to be confused. Did you know that? The second the brain is confused, you go into a questioning state. You're in an altered state. You're in a different state. And then what they're able to do is to produce a different outcome. Here you go. Here's your virgin, virgin mobile. So that got us thinking. I wonder about this hypnosis. I don't know anything about hypnosis. Never been hypnotized in my life. Don't know anybody that does hypnosis. So we went to a hypnotherapist. And I'll tell you, the whole time I was interviewing this guy, I was praying, Lord, protect my mind, protect my mind, protect my mind. <laughs> and it was weird. But he was very honest with us. And, and um, here is the guy that we went to go interview. Now, I found this guy on YouTube, too, because what he was talking about was how he noticed in major films, such as Inception and a bunch of other movies, that was Leonardo DiCaprio's movie, he notices in the same way that he goes to put somebody in a state of hypnosis, they're using it in the movies. And I went, ding, 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 ding. I wonder what they're doing with that. So we asked him a, a couple of questions about hypnosis, and here's what he's going to answer. So here it is. Why is things sold during the Super Bowl cost millions of dollars for seconds? Why the Super Bowl? Why not anything else? Why is it all of a sudden a lot of money? Because you do know what's happening during the Super Bowl? Everybody's in an emotional state. Ah, my team, my team, ah! And the more emotional state that you're in, the better they can sell you a product. And I went, interesting. The better emotional reaction you can have, the bigger change they can produce in you. And I went, what are movies about? What are all movies about? It's an emotional roller coaster. And the best emotional movies produce the biggest change. So, how many of you have heard of neuro-linguistic programming? A few of you, right? It's programming someone's brain using words and commands that are different than what's going on. So this is an example of neuro-linguistic programming. This guy right here, he asked him, if I could give you any gift in the world, what would you want? Write it down, put it on a piece of paper, put it in your pocket, okay? So he wrote down on a piece of paper what he wanted. Then what this guy's gonna do is change what that guy's uh, wanting just by using words. And here's how he's doing it. Okay, I want to point something out before I move on. No notice how he keeps saying that feeling. How does that feel? What does that feel like? How you change someone's mind is based on feelings, okay? I want to, I want to point that out. So he's asking him, how does this make you feel? How does this make you feel? Then he's going to change his mind. So he opens up the piece of paper, and in the piece of paper, he has something else written on it, and he's totally freaked out. And here's, here's where he's answering it. 
So he wrote down that he wanted a leather jacket. And he's like, I, I, I don't, I, this is my handwriting, but I don't even see it. And finally, at the end of this whole thing, the guy said, no, 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 I changed your mind. And he was like, no, 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 I really don't need a leather jacket. And he's like, no, 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 I really changed your mind. We have the power to change people's minds with simply words. And what are movies comprised of? A bunch of emotions and a bunch of words. Where's Hollywood going with this technology? Here, here he's going to show an example of going into a movie theater. If I were to subliminally write something into a movie, that's one thirty-second of a frame, okay? Too quick for you to actually see and poke out. But would I and could I change your mind? So here's what's happening. He goes into the movie theater, and he's going to subliminally write to people, you are going to forget this film. And then he's going to ask people when they came out, did you forget the film? The film is Ocean's 12 with Brad Pitt. So then he goes ahead and he plays the thing for the people, and then he's videoing them when they come out. Now remember, out of this whole thing, not everybody forgot the film. And I'm just going to show you the people that did forget the film, and, and you'll see uh, there's, there's quite a few people. In fact, there's a lot of people that use some pretty strong language that I couldn't use, so obviously... Uh... So anyway... This is just an example of what is possible if things are cut into a movie that you do not see. And as we start to analyze some of these modern movies, there was a movie that was released on Friday called The Giver. How many of you have heard of this movie? The Giver. It's one of the top, like, huge 10 million copies of the book. It is a required reading in 7th and 8th grade classes. Major, 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 major film. And if you understand the topics that are handled in it and the things that are cut in there, it is literally just taking people's belief system in God and flipping it upside down. So how much time do we have left, do you know? Six minutes. So I'm, I, I'm just basically going to get to this, and then I'm going um, to go maybe one or two more clips here, and then um, um, I'll let you guys go. Neurocinema. Here's what's going on in the technology side of Hollywood. They are starting to use what they call fMRI machines to test various different movies and the impact upon your brain. And what an, an fMRI does is it, it um, follows around in your hemoglobin. You have a lot of iron in it. So it's a big magnet that follows around. Where's the hemoglobin going? So they can tell you what parts of your brain are being activated. And so what they're doing is they're putting people in these fMRIs and studying when are they having the most Im uh, emotional impact to these different scenes. And they're cutting the movie to these, um, to these kind of things. Here he's going to talk a little bit about that. So here's what is going on with a lot of movies today. In fact, Stanford, you can look this up on the internet, um, they send almost all the movie trailers to Stanford, and they're sending through all the movie trailers to get the maximum amount of effect on your emotions through everything. And then that's how they cut the trailers too. There's a lot of info on this. I suggest that you guys look this up yourselves also. Almost all the information that we put together, we did research on. I suggest because this is uh, something that is involving your mind that you should look into it. You should not just openly sit into a dark room and soak in whatever thoughts are coming from there. Who, who are these directors? What do they believe? Because their belief system, all art is meant to affect you. Do you know that? Mm -hmm. If it wasn't meant to affect you, it would be a really lame piece of art. Okay? 
art is designed to have an impact upon your life. All art. So these guys who are making these things, they're doing nothing different than a preacher. Nothing different. A movie is simply the exact same thing as a sermon. They have a lot flashier toys. They have a lot flashier scenes. But you know what? They're telling you information about the world, about the belief system around you. And a lot of these writers and a lot of these directors are putting in there their belief system. And ultimately, we're going into these movies and soaking up their thoughts. And then you wonder why, when you go to read the Bible, how you pick it up and it doesn't make sense. It seems like gibberish to you. I don't have time for this. It's not exciting. Do you know how many times I hear that? Young people come up to me all the time. I don't know how to read the Bible. It's not exciting to me. Well, let me tell you something. Of course, there's not things blowing up. There's not cars flipping. There's not girls walking around in little short skirts. Of course, it's not as exciting. But you know what? When you have the relationship with God, I would take this excitement over that excitement any day. There are so many amazingly exciting stories in the Bible, but it all deals with how you have your relationship with God. So the next presentation that we're going to get into, I'll let you guys go or take a little break or, or anything here. We're going to start to get into um, some of the subject matter here. Uh, I didn't even get to the tail end of it, but basically, hopefully, the setup in your mind that hypnosis is going on. There is a level of hypnosis that's happening when you watch these movies. It's all emotionally driven, and it's changing people's belief system. And the very next thing that we're going to talk about is show you what some of these guys who are running NBC, CBS, who created the show's friends, what do they believe? They are so far on the left side that they say, if you walk into Hollywood and you are on the right wing, a conservative, a Bible-believing person, you have no place in this town. Zero. All of the information is coming from you so far to the left that all of a sudden it's like, why, what, if you're reading your Bible and you're soaking that in, you have such conflicting information. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to talk a little bit about how the homosexuality agenda is pushed in the movies. And I'm not going to deal with it in this way. I'm not going to sit here and tell you whether it's right or wrong. That is a totally different presentation. You can go listen to that. Um, um, Verna's got a great presentation on that. That's not what I want to handle. What I do want to show you is from the top down, there is an agenda that's happening in Hollywood. And when we get to the religious movies, you will see that an agenda is happening to change the way that you believe. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just the blessing of having conferences like I share. And Lord, I just pray that something that is said here today does, falls on ready soil, takes seed. Lord, it's your job, the Holy Spirit's job, to water that seed and to make it grow into a fruitful tree for you. So it is my prayer that everybody here is blessed with words from on high. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.